0: As Daniel said today's scripture reading is from Matthew chapter two and verses sixteen through twenty three. And then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged, and sent and slew all the male children who were in Bethlehem, and all its vicinity, from two years old and under, according to the time which he had determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled a voice was heard in Ramah, weeping and great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. But when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt and said, Get up, take the child and his mother, and go into the land of Israel. For those who sought the child's life are dead. So Joseph got up, took the child and his mother, And came into the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken through the prophets, he shall be called a Nazarene. This is the word of the Lord.
1: Carrie and I moved here four years ago, over four years ago, and we chose a story as a place to live because of its diversity. It was not only a great place we thought to start a church, which we've been able to be part of God doing that for three years now, but we also thought what a wonderful place, what a wonderful opportunity for us to raise our family in a culture with so many different people living in one spot. Well, I think the the greatest asset or the greatest attraction for me in living in Astoria is its diversity. However, maybe the biggest challenge in living in Astoria is also its diversity. It's hard for people of one ethnic group or one religious group or one economic class to get along. So when you start adding other variables of different cultures, then we realize tensions can get high. The holidays are here. It started with Thanksgiving in November, and many of us are reminded how hard it is even for just one family to get along during the holiday season. Opinions can easily become facts during the holidays, and arguments can happen. So when you get all of these different people, different cultures, different religions, different political opinions, it brings challenges. It brings value, but it also brings conflict. The scripture we just heard read tells us that the time period in which Jesus was born was not filled with peace, and peace is not prevailing in our world today either. It seems elusive and unattainable. We read the news and walk around our neighborhood, and we see evidence of this. Sarker Haik is a neighbor of ours. He owns a store at 21st Avenue and 23rd Street. On Saturday, December 5th, he was beaten up in his bodega. And the man was punching him and saying, "I kill Muslims." Hatred fueled that attack. Various groups of within our community and close communities in proxy to us agreed that there was a stand that should be taken. We should stand with our neighbor and say that violence against Muslims or any other group is not acceptable. We as a church stood with them. All these different people come together with different opinions, with different religions, with different politics. They came together in this moment, and they said one thing. We want peace. We don't want violence. With one voice, we condemned violence in our neighborhood. So while unity exists... In desiring peace for our neighborhood, our city, and our world, there are countless opinions on how this elusive idea of peace can be attained. Some people are blaming anti Muslim movements. Some people blame capitalism. Some people blame our government or other governments. Some people blame the Palestine and Israel feud. Some people blame the police. Some people blame the media fear mongering. Some people blame Donald Trump. Well, he got it. In a world with so many real problems, with so many problems that are stemming from oppression, from injustice and hatred, how in the world can we say that Christians are a people of peace? How in the world can we say that Jesus is a king of peace when all of this exists around us? I want us to look closer at this story and see three things about it and as it relates to our life now and what we see in the scriptures at that point. If you're taking notes, number one on the notes will be this. Injustice rules or reigns in a Christless world. When there is a world without Christ then the rule or the reign, the authority, is going to be injustice. People will be out for themselves. They will do what they can do to help themselves. And we see this in Matthew chapter 2, verses 16 through 18. Then when Herod saw that he had been tricked by the Magi, he became very enraged and sent and, uh, and, and slew. He killed all the male children who were in Bethlehem and all its vicinity, from two years old and under according to the time which had been determined from the Magi. Then what had been spoken through Jeremiah the prophet was fulfilled. A voice was heard in Ramah, weeping in great mourning, Rachel weeping for her children, and she refused to be comforted because they were no more. So Herod represents the world system of that day. He was protecting his own. He was threatened at this child who was called the king of the Jews, and he did whatever he could and took drastic measures to create an infanticide and killing all of these children two years and under. What a horrible tragedy that must have been to live through. He was not interested as a king in what was best for the people within his kingdom. He wanted what was best for for himself. Many times we are like King Herod. We are like him when we use others to benefit ourselves. Sure, we may not be responsible for murdering a massive amount of innocent children, but when we don't care about injustice in the world, that child slaves have created our toys and our clothes, we don't care enough because we enjoy the cheap prices we have, we become like King Herod. We become part of the problem. And it's not just actions that we refuse to take or or, or are unaware of, but it's also the fact that our hearts are desperate to serve ourselves. We want romance so we can feel better about someone's adoration and affirmation for us. We want to succeed so that we can feel better about ourselves in measuring how good we are against others. We want control. So what do we do? We manipulate other people to get the results that we want. Sometimes we even go the religious route and we say, I want to become so good and moral that people can say, Look at him. He is a good, good person. So the world is ruled by injustice without Christ, but our hearts are also ruled by injustice, and they lack peace when we lack Christ. Second point is this. Another injustice is on its way. So injustice rules the world without Christ, a Christless world, and another injustice is on its way. We think there's an enemy, and if we defeat that enemy, then our peace will be attainable. Our problem will be resolved. But there's always another problem. There's always another injustice. Look with me in Matthew chapter 2, verse 21. Uh, Preceding this, the angel had told Joseph to get up and go back to his land because King Herod, who was the threat, had died. So now we pick up here. So Joseph, being obedient, he got up. And he took the child, Jesus, and he took his mother, and he came to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. Then after being warned by God in a dream, he left for the regions of Galilee and came and lived in a city called Nazareth. This was to fulfill what was spoken to the prophets He shall be called a Nazarene. So this is good news for the refugee, Jesus and his family. Their threat, Herod, the one who had slaughtered all the babies, was no longer a threat. So now they can go back into their land and live a normal life. But another injustice came about. Someone was on the throne that was also a threat to them. There should have been safety and peace because their enemy was gone. But another threat was waiting for him. This was the son of the Herod the Great, Herod Archelaus. And he wouldn't be the last hurdle for Jesus either. There were more throughout his lifetime. He had many adversaries. Immediately following his baptism, he was tempted by Satan in the desert. Non-Jewish enemies threw him out of town because he ruined their Uh, their, their herd of pigs by casting demons into the pigs. The Pharisees hated him. The Sadducees hated him. Other kings and government leaders wanted nothing to do with Jesus, and there were angry crowds at every turn seemingly ready to kill him with stones. Injustice after injustice he would face. And we have the same battle today. We think that our problem will be solved if, this will happen or if that will happen but there will continue to be more and more problems in october we saw an NYPD officer killed in the line of duty in the bronx last week we saw muslims not just mr hake targeted by hatred and again last week we saw hate filled terrorists kill 14 people and 22 others in california And last night, I saw this morning news of another black man killed by two officers in L.A., and he was shot at nearly 30 times as he tried to walk and crawl away. There are big problems in our world. But before we rise up and start a movement to help solve these problems, There are big problems within our hearts. It's very easy for us to trick ourselves. We may stop struggling with pride, but then we fall into despair. We may stop struggling with unforgiveness, but then we start letting other people walk all over us, and we don't tell people when they hurt us. We swap jealousy for lust. We trade laziness for self-righteousness. Our hearts are easily deceived by our desires. There's always another injustice to fight out there, and there's always something within this heart that's trying to break loose and take over. So what do we do? How do we find peace in our hearts? How do we find peace for the hearts that try to sabotage, sabotage us? As we pursue peace, we can't look to answers in within this current system our world has created. We need something pure. We need something faultless. We need something permanent. We need grace. We need mercy. We need unity. We need a king of peace. What we need is King Jesus. The third point tonight is the kingdom of Jesus is not of this world. Jesus most certainly is a king of peace, and he's brought peace, but his kingdom is not of this world. Jesus was standing before Pontius Pilate just prior to his crucifixion, and we read in John chapter 18, verse 33 and following. Therefore Pilate entered again into the praetorium, "'and summoned Jesus and said to him, "'Are you the king of the Jews?' "'Jesus answered, "'Are you saying this on your own initiative "'or did others tell you about me?' "'And Pilate answered, "'I am not a Jew, am I? "'Your own nation and the chief priest "'delivered you to me. "'What have you done?' "'And Jesus answered, "'My kingdom is not of this world.' If my kingdom were of this world, then my, sermons, my servants would be fighting so that I would not be handed over to the Jews. But as it is, my kingdom is not of this realm. What we have in Jesus is an answer to the world's problems, another reality breaking into this broken system, another realm, a truth to break into our lie. What we have in Jesus is the reality of heaven. We needed an outside source to fix our inside problem. On our own, you and I are not part of the solution. We are part of the problem. And until we cease to be our own individual, of our own kingdom, we will be agents of conflict instead of agents of peace. When we are Christless, our hearts are filled with injustice. Without Christ, we will fight against the newest form of injustice. Without seeing peace, and justice will never happen. You ever played the game whack-a-mole? The mole pops up and you whack it, and it pops up and you whack it? It would be like that. There's this injustice popping up and you hit it, and there's another injustice popping up and you hit it, and you feel like you're doing something good. But at some point, you're, we'll be awakened and we'll realize we're not affecting change for anything. In fact, we're part of the problem by fighting the world with worldly ways. And we'll find out that instead of bringing peace, we're actually the one who's feeding quarters to the machine. But with Christ, everything changes. Everything changes with him. You see, Jesus faced all the injustices of the world. If you feel like you or uh, your, your culture or your religion or whatever has, is facing a unique injustice, you can find empathy, which means Jesus felt your injustice. He knows your pain. He faced all of the ones of the world. He was targeted by religious groups. He was targeted by the government. He was falsely accused of a crime. He was wrongly punished as an innocent man. Some of his family didn't believe in him, and they walked out on him, they were jealous of him. Those closest to him denied even knowing him when he was suffering the most. He was mocked. He was hated by people that he came to help. His greatest disciples, those who were closest to him that he poured the most into, were massive failures when he went to the cross because they never understood his message. If anyone ever had reason to be angry about his life, it would be Jesus. He was being punished for the sins of the world He was being punished for your sins and for mine. But instead of becoming angry, instead of pouring out the holy wrath of God onto us as we deserve, Jesus absorbed our punishment. He did that on the cross in order to bring peace with God to us, in order for us to be able to live at peace with one another. And he did that for you, and he did that for me. Jesus is the king of peace. We're not living, if we're not living with peace in our lives, it's because we're not submitting our lives to him. He's the answer that we need. The brokenness of this world was never the intention of God when He created it. Christmas means hope for the world. It reminds us that God knows of our brokenness. He's fully aware of how messed up you are, He's fully aware of how messed up I am. Yet He loved us enough to send His Son into the world that was ruled by sin and death. He also loved us in that broken state, and He didn't wait for us to prove ourselves before He gave His life for us. He gave His life by becoming broken to the point of death. But then something miraculous happened. There was a resurrection, and it changed everything see, the resurrection was the most redeeming act ever. The resurrection took the greatest injustice of all time, the Son of God dying a criminal's death. It took the murdering of the Son of God, the greatest injustice, and it made it undone. It undid it. Because Christ came back to life. Death was defeated, and the curse of sin was broken. Because of that, no longer is death an enemy to be feared for those who are in Christ. So here's what happens. Jesus takes us from being the problem to using us to be the solution. In Christ, we Cease to be the problem, and in Christ, it is through us that he works to bring peace into this world. Because he rescued us from the enemy of death, and because of Jesus, we now become part of God's plan to bring hope, to bring peace, to bring love into this broken world. We're able to look at other people with love in the same way that God looks at us. And in Christ, by his grace, we're able to do what is best for them And what is best for the whole, and not what is best just for me. Because we take the love of God given to us, and we bask in that love, how great it is. We marvel at it when we see it for its splendor. And then we liberally give it away. We can say to neighbors like Sarker, who was beaten up because he's Muslim, We can say, we are here to help you and to love you the way Jesus has helped us and loved us. But it doesn't stop with him either. You see, the love of God even compels us to look at the attacker of Sarkar and say to him, the mercy and the compassion of the Lord is waiting for you. Jesus loves even you. I can't say that on my own. But with Christ, I realize that my sin is at least as bad, maybe worse, than the attacker of that crime. The Bible levels the playing field and it says, for all have fallen short of the glory of God. There was... Guilt without Christ. But in him, Jesus takes that away. In Matthew 10, Jesus told his disciples in another section of instruction, he said, freely you have received. Freely give. With the love of Christ, we are to pray and to seek the kingdom of God to break into this broken world through us. And when we are living under the rule and the authority of the King Jesus, we will truly be blessed as peacemakers in this broken world. So in reality, all of the brokenness around us is technically hell's furious attempt to thwart God's plan to bring heaven to earth. There's a fierce war that we are living in. But the truth is simple. No matter how hard the enemy may try to stop God's plan, God's kingdom is coming. The king will return. And it is guaranteed and sealed by the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So this Christmas season, remember, Jesus is most certainly the king of peace. I pray that he will be our king. Let's pray. O Lord, you truly are a king worthy of worship and allegiance. Forgive us for forgetting you and trying to live this life apart from you. Remind us through daily repentance— that without you, we are the problem. And then give us the faith that we need to trust you, the faith we need to live as part of the solution in this broken world. Thank you for loving us enough to give your life for us and face the worst of all injustices. May we be ready and willing to love the world just like you. And may we do it for the glory of Jesus. Amen.